What's up, motherfuckers? Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Class is in session again. Yes, it is. Imagine that. God damn it. Again. You don't want to be here, Dennis? No, I'm fucking tired. I dude. thoroughly enjoy our bi weekly time together. So do I, but I am so tired. Tired or fucking I stone? Yeah, I think he's stone. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a mixture it's of It's a mixture. Both. Just a little bit of both. Come on, dude, I've been like running about six hours of sleep in the past three days. This is what the satanic panic has done to Dennis. All right, everybody, welcome to Satanic Study Hall. It is time we dive into the Satanic Panic in the 1990s. Uh, today, yeah, I was alive. Yeah, that's right. I was alive too. Yeah, I actually <laughs> was able to process some of these news stories and everything. Me too. Not much, but I was alive for half of it. All right. Yeah, and uh, we are your hosts. My name is Bill Rohr. I'm a member of the Satanic Temple, and today I am joined by I'm Johnny Voorhees. I am also a member of TST. Hi, I'm Dennis Cruson. I'm a member of the Satanic Temple. I am Veronica Verratti. I am not an official member yet, but looking into it, highly interested. Welcome, Veronica. Yes, welcome. welcome. It is good to have you in study hall with us today. Good to be here. First time I'm back in school in a while. Right? Yes, it's we felt the same way. Mm-hmm. I know, you, got a good, to, you got a good teacher today. We got Mr. Mid- Midgard uh, leaning over us. Sweet. Yeah, we can get away with a lot of shit with him. You know, fuck that guy. What exactly does a study hall teacher do? He's sitting over there playing, like, doing Sudoku. Like, he ain't teaching well, us would you nothing. you expect that out of the PE teacher, though? I thought he was doing, like, pull, push-ups or something. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Surprised he's not fucking licking one of those dodgeballs. Right. <laughs> I ain't gonna lick my dodgeball. <laughs> he, he might break out. He might break out in the jumping jacks. Uh, I'm here to talk about Satan, so fuck that guy. I ain't doing, <laughs> I ain't doing no jumping jacks or push-ups. All right, for those of you who are just... Do they still do the physical fitness test? Uh, Honestly, in school, do they still do that? Well, I guess not right now because of COVID, but... If they did, they probably lowered the fucking standards. I mean, I failed the physical fitness test every year. Like, I, I was a, most of the I was time. a chubby dude. So was I. I graduated <laughs> in 2014. They were still they were still doing it. Okay. Pacers, did you have to run a mile? Yep. Yeah. I got, a, I got a bunch of the patches from that shit. Yeah, I did great on the, um, <clears throat> the fucking stretch tests. Uh, that was a that was a flexible as hell, but the only ones you can that do the count. starfish like a fucking master. That's right. <laughs> Stretch Armstrong over here. <laughs> you know, I used to get picked on all the time too when I would do what was I don't know what the name of that thing was, but or was you, that with a box where you put your feet against the box and you have to stretch out in front of you? That is so old. Yeah, that, when did yeah, you graduate? That's, that's what I'm talking about. When I would take that test, I this fucking Dick Dylan shock. Uh, I don't even know if he's still alive, to be honest, but he'd be in the background going, oh, look, I bet you Bill goes home and sucks his own dick. <laughs> yeah, it was fucked, man. And then, and then every Did time. You? No, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, like any other man I've tried, it's not possible. It's not possible. I what, what, what do they say? You got you to remove one of the ribs, right? I don't know. Something I've, like that. I've, I've heard plenty of people able to do it without I've heard that the music, the music uh, segment guy could do it this week. Oh, really? I've heard rumors that he could. Yeah, I don't know. You're right. If he can, good for him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Saves himself a lot of money. <laughs> so if there's any new ears that don't know who the fuck we are or why we're talking, <laughs> we even have a podcast, uh, we are Satanic Study Hall. And we are sex addicts. <laughs> <laughs> I know a few of those, or I knew a few of those people. Um, we are a podcast featuring a rotating bench... <laughs> 
I, can I even use the word degenerates anymore? I gotta, I gotta level up my game. Like we're more than just fucking degenerates now. Now he's got the teacher's attention. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm surprised you didn't get kicked out. But yeah. So What's we up, Mister Midgard? <laughs> Oh. oh, was that Belial? That was Belial. Where's he at? I don't know. I just hear random. Fucking like somewhere. Yeah, he's running amongst their feet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know where I was going to go. All right, Usa. All right, so what is Satanic Study Hall? We are a podcast of rotating degenerates uh, and members of the Satanic Temple. We get together a couple uh, times a month and talk about Satanism from its inception to modern day. We'll talk about news and entertainment and <coughs> what else, Johnny? And music. music. Uh, pop we, culture. Pop culture. Um, each other, our personal journeys. Nope. Uh, I thought you were going somewhere else. <laughs> no, we're not <laughs> touching we're each other. We're talking about each other, not touching, <laughs> Dennis. Don't about get to start excited. singing seal again. <laughs> Please, no. But uh, yeah, Dennis so, touches himself sometimes. Uh, we'll talk about social media later. But if anybody wants to get in touch with us, questions, comments, suggestions, um, point something out where we drop the ball, or just to pat us on the back because we're awesome fucking responsible Satanists who so are just trying to make the world a better place, Johnny. Yes, we are. No, but seriously, hit us up at satanicstudyhole at gmail.com with anything you got for us. We're very responsive, and you're going to learn about all types of other ways to get in touch with us. But one special way to get in touch with us and support the podcast is Patreon. If you have any interest in checking out how you can support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash satanic study hall and learn a little more. We have three different tiers uh, so take a look at what we got and we just appreciate your consideration. So now that that's out of the way, I'm going to do what I normally do. Johnny, how was your week? That's SDD, man. Same shit, different day. Get up, work, come home, go to sleep, repeat. Do you have any roast beef sandwiches this week? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All I wanted was a fucking roast beef sandwich. And a Pepsi. They shit and just bed. one Pepsi. No, Mom, just wanted a fucking <laughs> Pepsi. <laughs> so I know we were going to say this for a Patreon, but what about um, anything grinding your gears this week? No. Oh, God. Nothing? Nope. Nothing, sir. Well, you're lucky. It's all right. It's been all right. At least this week it has. We're going to hope that Well, maybe continues. you. What about you? What about me? I'm going to ping pong it right back to me. Uh, this week's been wow. kind of busy. Back to school sucks. Oh, uh, well, Kids, yeah. Yeah. virtual learning, Yep. balancing all that. Everything's new. Uh, I have no idea what my role is in everything outside of making sure shit gets done. And Wake up! Yeah, that. <laughs> Make sure you eat. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Show me your homework. Uh, but that's, that's pretty much it. So I'm figuring all that out. Still working 50 hours a week. And... Um, Loving the podcast. It's consuming, like said, but in a great way. Yep. It is the escape. If I want to get away and after everything's all taken care of out in uh, Super Dad World, you know, I can come into uh, come into study hall here and just grind. <laughs> Most Super definitely. Dad. Super Dad. That's right. Yo, it is Super Dad World. No, you want to know what's so fucking funny about that? My dad's license plate as I was growing up was Super Dad. S-P-E-R-D-A-D. Remember fucking Problem Child <laughs> when they went camping and he got him the shirt? And his hat said Super Dad, and he got John Ritter the other hat, and it just said fucking Dad. <laughs> no, I don't remember that shit. <laughs> you remember Problem Child? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. Remember when they, had camp, they all went camping, and they were getting ready to go, it's and they were, fucking years, they were trying man. to corral Junior to get in the car or whatever, and then he no. goes, come here, Ben, come here, and he goes, and I got he... something for you. But beyond, beyond the kid stuff and work, there really hasn't been much. 
promoting the podcast, talking about it. The people that I've met online, like new followers on Twitter and people in the goat farm. And every day there's like two to five, you know, you know, requests or ever, I guess not every day, every week there's like two to five. It's not a lot, but it's people are slowly starting to, to come, yeah. to come in, uh, and flow in and, and participate. So it's a great thing. Watching that happen from afar mm-hmm. uh, on top of all the other bullshit that's been, uh, floating around, uh, satanic study hall. It's, it's been kind of, um, it's been just flattering and, and nice to see. And again, that's driven by people like Manaz and Alex and, you know, all of our new, yeah. some of our new patrons are on there. It's fucking awesome. Enough about me. What's up with you, Dennis? My week. Uh, it's been hectic. It's been, I took, I gave myself a break from everything. I, I went out, I, I, I left for the night and our little friend Belial, I showed him his new home and took him out around the city and showed him some, some sites and, you know, we, we had a good time. So we had, we had a nice little break there. Um, anything else? No, I, I can't say. What about you, Veronica? Welcome to the podcast. What's new with you? Um, it's uh, it, it's been fun. Um, I too work a lot. Um, probably about fifty hours a week too. Um, at this point, and it's been that way since COVID. This beautiful year we've had. Um, and lockdowns went into full effect. But I took my um first pr- uh, post summer vacation day on Tuesday, and I went skydiving. Nice. How was that? It's a dream of mine. It um it was on my list for years. So um along with that, this year I crossed off shooting an AR fifteen. Nice. I've done that. I've <laughs> so done got, that. Got the uh, skydiving out of the way too. It was sensory overload. I don't know if it's just me not being able to breathe, but I couldn't breathe while in free fall at all. See, and I was I, like, I'm not gonna splat, but I'm gonna suffocate. Right. Um, but it was really, really fun. Other than that, once you can, you know, get air into I've your actually, mouth. I've actually always tested that theory by hanging my head out the window of a moving, like a fast moving car for as long as I can. Just to see if you could I do can. it. Just to see yeah, if you could skydive. I can never fucking <laughs> breathe during it. I don't know what, like, how to breathe. I keep having to, like, turn my head sideways and catch a breath and look back and, like. That was the car going 125 miles an oh, hour. Oh, fuck no. We're talking, okay. like, 75 at tops. That's approximately on average how. how um, how fast your body is going to fall through the area? 125. Wow. I would have skydive already, but I'm. I think I'm so like 30 pounds. Yeah, shit. I'm 30, pounds overweight. I'm like 280, 283, or something like that. You have to be 250 or 249 to jump out of a plane. All right, come on. We're gonna put you on the Rocky diet. I'm good, man. I'm comfortable. Right. And, uh, I mean, maybe just you know 20, 30 pounds to get healthy down the road, but I'm in a race. So besides skydiving, anything else? Um, anything else going on that kind of. Maybe not as thrilling, but oh, put no. a smile on your after, face. After that, uh, I mean, every every day is a pretty normal day. The job's been pretty like stabilizing really well. So um, the skydiving, I think, after that, I've, I'm going to take it easy for the rest of the week because that, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to top, but it really is. It's like, oh, what have you done this week? Um, I just went skydiving. I just jumped out of a plane. <laughs> I just plummeted to the earth from what the stratosphere is that considered, or is that you're a little be a little below the stratosphere? I don't even like, <laughs> know. I know at uh, fifteen thousand you need oxygen. Okay. And they typically throw you out or you jump out at uh, thirteen thousand, thirteen thousand five hundred. I think. Damn, I mean, not- I've almost been that high on land. I've snowboarded from the peak of a place that was ten thousand five, um, ten thousand one hundred and fifty feet. Really? Yeah, out in uh, Utah. It was at the it was at the canyons in. Um, in Park City, Utah, there was a, a, a ski lift that went up to I think the I think the ski lift was called the ninety nine ninety. It was nine thousand nine hundred and ninety feet, and then we ducked the rope and hiked up to the peak. So it was, it was a fucking blast to go down, but <laughs> <it was> scary <laughs> shit. <laughs> Hell yeah! 
I've never been. I have weak knees. I had to give up skiing, snowboarding, and ice skating a long time ago. All right, now I think it's time to recap uh, what we talked about last time in Satanic Study Hall. We opened up our three-part Satanic Panic series with a brief introduction to the Satanic Panic and what happened in the 1980s that initially sparked it and made this crazy panic get out of control and progress as far as it has. And as we mentioned before, the Satanic Panic is not over. The Satanic Panic is alive and well uh, in various different forms. And that is uh, going to lead into what we're going to talk about in episode three. But first, in episode two, which is today, we are diving into a couple things that happened in the 1990s. We have a couple of uh, cases we'll briefly touch on just to kind of establish a trend of the bullshit that's been happening, as well as um, spend a, a good chunk of time on the West Memphis Three. Last time we talked about things like Michelle Remembers the association of Satanism with tabletop games, specifically Dungeons and Dragons. But yeah, we talked about um, the McMartin trials and the effect that that had on really igniting a crazy fire in the media and psychology industry and FBI, where millions of dollars were spent actively seeking pre-existing cases correlation with Satanism just to see if anything would stick. And that continued throughout the 1990s. Things like the Keller case and the McMartin trials in Canada we're going to be talking about today. Everything compounded and built on top of each other. Throughout the 1980s was the true panic, but in the 1990s, at the end of what we talked about, when the exonerations happened with the McMartin trial, some, I think, Dennis, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at that point, people started smelling bullshit. The 80s were just scratching the surface on what you could do with entertainment, television, right. media. I mean, Hollywood was way ahead of the game, but television was changing. Mm. Networks were, the amount of networks available for the public to watch were like fucking exponentially multiplying. Oh, yeah. You know, it's went from the four major news networks in the early 80s, and 8, 10, 12. Now there's a fucking 375 channels on a satellite network. Yep. But yeah, the media coverage ramped up like between the news networks, and I'm a firm believer that the government is very influential in what comes out in Hollywood oh, of course. and topical of stuff. Course. So they're always pushing us in a certain direction. Yeah, absolutely. And so they use that again as an outlet. I mean, we're talking, we were just, as we were doing research for the podcast, there's tons of shit that happened in the nineties and you've got Hocus Pocus, that movie in 1993. God, I fucking love that movie. And it is a Halloween <laughs> must every fucking year. Yes, my, it is. My kitten's names are Hocus and Pocus. No oh, shit. Oh, that's see. awesome. I knew, I knew we brought you on here for a reason. Right. Hell we yeah. Perfect fit. Fuck yeah. Um, and then you got Blair Witch, like we talked about in 99. Loved um, it, loved the it. The movie The Witches. That was early 90s. It was 1990. Yeah, that was yeah on, on, the, on the exact. Who can forget about The Craft? Yeah. I can't <laughs> no, forget I about forget. The Craft. Dude, what's, wasn't What's Her Name in there? The, 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 uh, the girlfriend of... Um, Ed Norton in American History yes, X. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, her, yes. And she was, wasn't, she was also in fucking Waterboy, right? Yes. Yes, she was. Yes, she, <laughs> she was. She was his girlfriend, which is really She was tough. actually in a bunch of movies back yeah, then. Yeah, she always played that weird... Queer like, chick. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's got, a good, she's got a good actress face. Yeah, she, she does. does. got a she good does. actress presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got the craft, the craft man. Yeah. I was, I'm not going to incriminate myself with that. <laughs> yeah, please, please. No. Do indulge. Uh, <laughs> we've got Practical Magic in 1998. 
uh, Crucible, 1996. That fucking movie. Oh, my God. They made us watch that, like, three times in my fucking cru- history. Oh, yeah. That I, was a typical AV card thing. It's based off school. a book. Well, did it, you? Yeah, yeah, it was it uh, Arthur, book. Arthur Miller. Um, one of my favorite plays. Uh, definitely, like, favorite high school reading material. And then right. I really liked the version of the movie that came out with Daniel Day-Lewis and mm-hmm. um, Winona mm-hmm. Ryder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, that was, yeah, it was all right. I don't know. It's just they 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 drilled it into our oh, heads in my class. It was I, I couldn't take. Oh, it. it's going to be un- like, it's eternally on syllabuses. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't it's, take it's it. It's never anymore. going away. But I think because of you know stuff that ended up popping up in the 1990s, 1980s, and even right. now, um, stuff like the Crucible is important, and people. It's oh, weird yes. that more people mm-hmm. don't make the connection between Salem and what went on uh, with the subject matter we're going to be talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's a huge huge correlation. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 1997 oh, started as a big Jesus feature Christ. film and yep. then turned into that long series. The seven, no seven or eight seasons of Buffy. Angel had four or five, maybe even more than that. Um, and he got Warlock 2 from the Warlock series. That yes. was made in the 90s. You had Warlock <laughs> and Warlock 2. Now you about 93. And then, I mean, obviously, we have the new Sabrina that's out on Netflix no, now. The new. We also have know, the original. I'm just saying, I'm saying we have the new, which is in the one I'm about to mention in case people are old school Nick fans like we may be. Uh, there's the original Sabrina, the Fuck teenage yes, witch. Clarissa explains it all, baby. Melissa Joan Hart, I fucking hate you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really do. That's why I was so excited to get to uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured I'd flatter. It, it was relevant. <laughs> Sabrina, the teenage witch. All right, yep, boom, we're done. Uh, uh, de- <laughs> Devil's Advocate, 1997. We have the Ninth Gate. Fucking amazing. Yeah, That's an amazing movie. The Ninth Gate. I love the representation of the devil in this movie. The fucking the girl that's running through the movie ends up having sex with in front of the burning building at yep. the end. Yeah. I mean, Depp's great. Awesome scene. <laughs> and what about the crow? I don't know. Would you the consider cr- the crow satanic uh, panic? Uh, uh, not satanic panic, but the, the imagery and the use of Satan and just it, what, wasn't it Satan that brought him back to life? I, I guess I you, thought it was it a was, crow. Well, I, but, yeah, but it's, I've that never could, seen the movie. You can use that as the same. That's could that be as, Satan? Well, that could be that could be used the same way as the omen uses the dogs. True, the dogs are a representation of Satan. Okay, yeah, so. I can see that. Then we uh, moving on from there. We just a couple of video games that really came out and drilled hell in the point of Satan in Demon's Home, where you can't forget about Doom. Love Doom. Never. Still Doom. play it. <laughs> yeah. You know, interesting, something just came out the other day. So there's this guy, uh, it's a YouTube series. He has a EPT pregnancy test. And what he does is he runs various operating systems on this thing. He has this little sub-series called Will It Run Doom? And so anything with an LED screen oh and memory chip or whatever, or a circuit, he tries to see if it will run Doom, playable either with a control <laughs> controller. Nice. So this guy wired an EPT pregnancy test. <laughs> to, it wasn't playable with a controller, but it literally, it played the opening video and it had the start screen. So oh, if there was a controller, <laughs> you could play Doom on a pregnancy test. It oh, that's fucking amazing. awesome. But yeah, that game in general, I mean, there's just, the franchise is on fire. I mean, the, the movie's been done twice. Originally, Dwayne The Rock Johnson yep. was in it. It's horrible. Um, it was fucking horrible. He needs to stop. He's the richest man in Hollywood. Just bank your money and just stop fucking ruining franchises for me, please. Yeah, like um, Jumanji, you motherfucker. Oh, yeah. It was a bad one. Oh, God. No Robin Williams movie should ever have to be made. No. And speaking of which, I'm so glad they did not do redo Mrs. Doubtfire. You know they were going to do that with Jonah Are Hill. Are you fucking serious? Jonah Hill. Jonah I, Hill was supposed oh, to. Remake. I would have. I could have gone the rest of my life, even if it doesn't 
get made, I could have gone the rest of my life without knowing they had that idea. Yeah, I'm so. I mean, when I it pissed me off when I when it was scrapped. And Doom was really fun to play. It was. I'm not gonna lie. I may have used cheat code or two. Yeah, I think everybody's done that. <laughs> everybody's used the game genie. Yeah, See, I didn't oh, use. I didn't play a lot of. I didn't, wow. I didn't play a lot of Doom. I, my cousin had it, so I played it a couple times on his computer, but I I never had the game myself. I think it was just more or less health and ammo. That's all you could really do as yeah. far as that. There was you can spawn power. There was ups, uh, computer, and then I think Sega did. Sega Sega Genesis release it? Uh, Super Nintendo Super did Nintendo. first, I think, then okay. Sega. I think that was the evolution. It all started on computer. See, I, I was a Diablo player. Nope. Diablo's on my list. Let's jump to oh, Diablo yeah. then. Right. Uh, Diablo, now correct me if I'm wrong, was a very interesting game because if I, I think I'm thinking about the right game, was that one of those land party games? Where you could, it was like local. You could play locally I, with a group of your friends. I think so. I could be wrong, and if it's not, I, I stand corrected. So. I never did personally. If you could, but I'm I, sure I think people will could. correct me. But there were around the, in the '90s too. There were these, you know, land parties that they would have, and everyone would take their computer over to somebody's house, and they would all hook their computers <laughs> Shit, up. I used to do yes. that with my Xbox 360. Yeah, yes. Yo, you'd see me. You see me going up fucking th- uh, Westchester Pike on the one on the 104 with my TV and my 360, <laughs> <laughs> fucking getting off the getting off the fucking bus stop. And people did this. They lugged their desktop computers, and they were fucking big, and their monitors, and all really? their cables, and everything, until wow. their, their mom would drop them off at Steve's house. Holy and shit. They'd go downstairs to the banquet table in the basement. It's and all about Satan. Let's go. And the funny thing is, too, and they'd always, a lot of the times Hail I'd Satan. read in these articles, they'd short out the fucking circuit breakers, because they'd plug, like, eight computers into the one circuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Burn the house. Yeah, down. fry out people's motherboards and stuff. But, no, Diablo was crazy. I mean, in itself, Diablo, devil. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I personally haven't played it, but I never have my... num- fucking number two. Oh, so good! Now, isn't Diablo? Is that trying to get out of hell? Is it set in hell? No, you you descend into hell. Like, okay. You, you you fight your way down and through until you you end up fighting Diablo or or um, you know, all, all that. But did they re-release those games for like PlayStation and shit? They. Made number three available for console. So strictly computer. No, 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 no. They made number one and two are computer only. Okay. And then they made number three computer, uh, PlayStation. Okay, I I knew it was only computer in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that spawned. You know. Games like Diablo you sent everybody to Staples and their local yeah, electronics right. shops to upgrade their video cards and everything. Right, right. right. Um, we have. There's also Wolfenstein. I remember kicking some ass in Wolfenstein. Never the that either. Satanic Nazi references. That that was a fun fucking game. See, I didn't Talking play about cheat cheat codes. I used to get the walkthroughs from this bulletin board. So I was a fucking nerd back in the '90s. Like. But that was before you the internet. Search for your code. You know that the was before then. the internet was the internet, and maybe this will resonate with some of our listeners. But uh, there's these things called bulletin board systems. Before there was a web browsers or anything, mm-hmm. you called in with your modem to somebody else's computer. Okay. It was multi-node. They could host up four to five to six different people at the same time. Okay. So there's message boards and online games. And then if they had an external hard drive, they would post where is and you'd Holy get shit. Yeah, that was that was the internet before the internet. It was wow. fucking crazy. That's pretty fucking cool. And that's how I got my, my copies of Doom and Wolfenstein. Nice. Completely nice. hacked yeah. illegally and you know, it was always a threat. <laughs> Anytime you downloaded anything with dot exe could have been a fucking yeah. virus and you would have been done yeah. you know windows 95 and god it when it first came out was windows 3.1 at the it was at the end of 3.1 beginning of 95 really when all these games came out and everything yeah it could do some damage nice god virus russian roulette i remember yeah <laughs> uh, 
We got those downloading songs on Napster. Oh, uh, Napster. fucking Napster. Rest in peace, Are you Napster. downloading and Lime a song? LimeWire. Lime, Lime yeah, Kazaa was worse than Lime. LimeWire was a Kazaa was the fucking worst. Kazaa was the purple monkey or the purple gorilla, right? Yeah, I think it, so. Yeah. I, I was good with computers and managing viruses, but you could not battle what came out of Kazaa. No fucking way. No, that was, that was like the laboratory <laughs> in China and what holds the you, fucking the fucking viruses. <laughs> like, oh my, Lance. Let me tell you. Fuck Speaking of Doom, Wolfenstein, and Diablo, um, games that came out in the 90s, we spent some time in the last episode talking about Dungeons & Dragons. Yep. Tabletop game, not necessarily card-based, but there was something that came out in the mid-90s. It was 1996, Pocket Monsters. Ooh. A.K.A. Pokemon. Pokemon. Oh, I thought we were talking about something else. <laughs> of course you would. Of course you would. So Pokemon came out, and there was a pretty big panic coming from the church and religious right and just people in general that didn't really understand it. So obviously Pokemon, Pocket Monsters. It's a, it was it came out. Was it a show first and then a card game or a card game or a show? I cannot speak I to that. I don't know. I do not know. Can we use, as it, I'm talking about it, can somebody Google that? What came I'm, first? I'm it's almost, like the chicken or the egg? Oh, uh, I'll look it up right now. I'm almost positive it came out as the trading card game, and it branched into the animated series. Um, I mean, played it, collected it, yeah, so po- it. Yeah, Pokemon came out, and, you know, I, I just said it. They were pocket monsters. There were small monsters that, you know, that you could train. And these monsters, after you train them and... Well, I would know. I know now from playing Pokemon Go. I guess give them candies; they will evolve. Uh, Boy, you give them candy, yeah. Uh, and then the Pokemon evolve into another level and another level, and each level you gotta has different fight names. Them and, to actually get them to yeah. evolve, you got to get them to like like you more, and you got to you got to build a relationship. Yeah, and actually ruin your Pokemon. Ruin it. Yeah, it was like what was that? What was that candy, little, little Pokemon? What was that little um? Keychain thing, Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. Yeah, those fucking things. <laughs> I could never keep them alive. It's like the the babies that they used to give out in school to, in home ec. Like yeah. I don't know how many of my friends baby just died. They became non-responsive. <laughs> failed the pro- Yeah, they didn't do anything. It's like fuck a baby. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go downtown and smoke weed. Mom. I'm having an abortion. Mom, actually, you take care of this thing. We're both fucking wrong. It actually started as the Pokemon Red and Green. Game Boy games. Okay, so it started as Game Boy yes, games, and then it, licensed um, to Nintendo. Yes, mm-hmm. and then it went to animated. It went to the animated series, and then I guess from there, yeah, from there it went to the to the trading card game, and so the trading card game was when it really started to take off. I mean, anybody that's been playing Pokemon forever, I mean, no, it, uh, and then it recently came about, and you know, just just to touch on it, Pokemon Go, the panic came all around because now. It gained all this attention, you know. My these my my grandchildren are running around catching monsters and demons and like they always use Ghastly. Ghastly is always the go to Pokemon they use on like PowerPoint presentations or right. because you know yeah. it looks like a demon or a ghost mm-hmm. or whatever. And then they use like Charizard because he's breathing fire and it's fire breathing fucking hellacious dragon. Well, uh, no, they use a uh, hijinks. It's the purple one. That's that's the cross dresser. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so shifting gears and moving forward, we're going to jump into the Martinsville case. So as we mentioned before, there were a vast amount of cases that continued to pop up all around the world, North America. We're going to jump to Canada with this one. 
And Johnny did some research, and he's going to bring to light some of the issues and facts that came out of this case, um, as well as the outcome and what uh, what people are up to now. Uh, the Martinsville, Saskatchewan case. Uh, a quick review of the case uh, was also known as the Martinsville nightmare. It oh, happened I like in, that. It happened in nineteen ninety. I know it sounds like a horror movie. It happened in nineteen ninety two, like Bill said, in Martinsville, Saskatchewan, Canada. Uh, there was also two similar events where there were claims of child sexual abuse. Uh, they got blown up into claims of satanic ritual abuse. Uh, the better known of the two is the Martinsville daycare scandal. Um, the second being an earlier accusation of abuse in Saskatoon, known as the foster parent scandal. Uh, what happened was in the Martinsville, Saskatchewan case, a mother accused a local woman who ran a babysitting service and daycare center in her home of sexual abuse of her child. Uh, after the accusation, uh, the police took a look into it and the allegations of sexual abuse began to snowball. There's that word again, snowball. Oh, who doesn't love a good <laughs> yeah. snowball? Where did that come from? That was, <laughs> was that Patreon or am I fucked no, up on that as well? Yeah, okay, that, that was, was the 43. Was Patreon. That was we the were 43. talking about the 43 um, things. Oh, this oh yes. Yeah. Snowballing. Snowballing. Who doesn't love a good snowball? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Where was I? I don't I hate know. You sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there were more than a dozen people, including five police officers from three different forces, um, that were accused of this uh, sexual abuse. Uh, they faced over a hundred charges. Let me repeat that: a hundred charges. They were connected with running a satanic cult. Uh, the cult was referred to as the Brotherhood of the Ram. Uh, the cult was said to have practiced ritual sexual abuse of a number of kids at a place called Devil Church. I wonder who named them. He's, I like the that. Brother, like, how did they get an official name? Right? Like, Devil the, Church. The Brotherhood of the Ram. Yeah. That's what the, that's what they said the cult was referred to as the Brotherhood of the Ram. Interesting. Uh, the son of how the, do I join? Hmm? How do I join? I don't know. You'd have to talk to somebody in Martinsville, Saskatchewan. Or Go to one of those really old dive bars. It does. It, it, that, that, that's got a nice ring to it. You really would. You would yeah. go down to the ramp. You, you would, yeah, you would have to. That, that's the same way yeah. you, you, you go to if that's what the town historians go. Yeah. I'm not going to the ram tonight. I'm going to Devil Church tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think Siberia played there once. Brotherhood of no, the, the Devil Church. Uh, the son of the daycare owner, uh, he was tried and was found guilty of molestation, but not by sexual ritual, which which was what allegedly happened. Uh, a Royal Canadian Mounted Police Task Force took over the investigation, and they came to the decision that the allegations of satanic ritual abuse was blown up by emotional hysteria. Go figure that. <gasps> what a surprise. Uh, as far as the interviews go with the children, uh, they were found to be mismanaged. The questions the children were asked were found to be leading, and the children were giving rewards for giving the right answers in quotation marks the right answers which would lead to a conviction uh, in 2013 the defendants sued for wrongful prosecution ron and linda sterling won their lawsuit and received nine hundred and twenty-four thousand dollars that's not enough fucking it's mm. not enough no it's not no uh, John Popovich, he was one of the five police officers that was falsely accused of satanic ritual abuse, and he received a settlement of $1.3 million. 
doesn't seem near Balanced, enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they should never have to pay taxes again. No. They should, <laughs> for yeah. utilities. Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? I agree. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for the, uh, for the Martinsville case. So the Martinsville case, again, that was okay. like a hundred charges with dozens yes. of people being yep. brought, like all of these lives intersecting and ruined. Because yeah, you got to, one thing people, like you, you hear these cases and people say, oh, they were exonerated. All right, good. That's cool. But right. no, it's. It's not cool. The thing about the, the years, years that 92 to 14. Holy <sighs> shit. Yeah. I didn't know it was that, like, that fucking... 1992 to 2000... I'm sorry, 2004, I'm sorry. To 2004. Jesus, okay. But still, holy shit. That's still a long-ass time. I mean, like... still over a decade where you, you know, it follows you around. You won't be able to get a job um, if you wanted to go seek other employment or do anything. Um, Your family at that point has probably ostracized you. Right. Yeah, I mean, the effects of just the accusation, and you're done. You're done. I mean, unless you, I mean, especially in today's world where, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you can't escape social media. Like, you can put on blast. Like, you might as well go live in the woods. Yeah. (laughs) But back then. You get a hashtag cancel on Twitter. Yeah. The hashtag can't. Oh yeah, that's what they say. I'm not. A, I'm not a it's, tweeter. It's so everything. Yeah. Is what we're, or, we're or, in cancel or what's, culture. What's the other one? Um... Damian Eccles out here being. I was canceled in 1994. <laughs> you can't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I fucking love that guy. <laughs> but yeah, this is again. This is this, the same thing. It's Prince Lather repeat with these stories. Yeah. So there's not much there's not much anybody can do to repay the damage on that. No. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I do want to make a quick segue before I forget to talk about it. Uh, if you go to the Grave Action website or you follow Grave Action in the Satanic Temple on Twitter, uh, Grave Action is in the Satanic Temple are currently collecting stories from uh, survivors of the Satanic Panic. They're looking for audio clips or video clips for a project that they're working on. If you or anybody in your reach, family, friends, network, or colleagues know anybody that was involved in the Satanic Panic or has a story to tell, I highly encourage you to go to satanictemple.com and look for how you can get your voice heard and become a part of this project. One of the bit on the link that I just recently shared in our goat farm, front and center. Uh, but there's, there's again, it's, the great faction is, is always trying to get the word out and make sure people understand what has happened in the past and what is continuing to happen in efforts to stop it. Moving on from that is I believe we have one more case that we are going to talk about. And which one was that Johnny? Uh, the Wenichi. Wenichi. Oh, Wenichi. Is that anything? Wenichi. 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 <laughs> Do you want to pee? We are going to break. I don't know. I think someone has the hall pass already, so you're just gonna have to tough it out. All right, All right fine. Uh, this particular case, and I'm, I mean, it doesn't really fit into this the uh, satanic ritual abuse, right? Uh, no, but it did happen at the end of all the hype of uh, the child abuse in the 1980s. It happened in Wenatchee, Washington, in the 1980s, or it happened at the end. It happened in 1994 to 1995. All right, so in the 90s. Yeah, but it was at the end of the hype of the child abuse. Uh, you, you, okay. No, he said the hype, yeah, the end of the hype of the 80s. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I, uh, it's, I was confused. That's a sad case. I mean, there were many poor and uh, intellectually disabled suspects that pleaded guilty to charges. Those who had had the means to hire a lawyer got their charges dropped and were acquitted of all charges. Oh, fuck. Uh, hang on, Johnny. Here we go. 
kind of like this guy. Attention staff and students. This is the principal with your daily update. Fucking the Satanic Study Hall podcast is not affiliated with any other podcast or organization. None. Zero. The views and opinions expressed on the podcast are ours and ours alone. Johnny Voorhees, after Thank a you. random locker search, we found your vibrating wand. The parents <laughs> can pick it up from the oh, main shit. office after oh. school. <laughs> lunch shit. Lady Lilith went home sick, so I lunch today has been canceled. Door Dash or Starve, I don't fucking care. Wait, no lunch? Oh, and that's no all for lunch today's today? announcements. I'm going home. Hail I'm Satan. going to McDonald's. All right. Um, I forget where I was before he interrupted me. But at least it says Hail Satan. I'd prefer a Ava Satanus. yes. But Hail that's Satan. personal preference. Um, Hail Satan just doesn't roll off the tongue no, like an Ave Satanus. There's nothing wrong with it, but... This particular case is pretty sad because uh, many poor and intellectually disabled suspects pleaded guilty to the charges, uh, while those who had the means to hire a lawyer got their charges dropped and were acquitted of the charges. Eventually, all, all cases were dismissed and all accused were released. Uh, the authorities paid damages to some who were originally accused. The accusations began in 1995. Detective Robert Perez was told by his 13-year-old foster daughter named Donna Perez that she had been sexually molested. Perez then proceeded on March 13th of 1995 to take Donna and two social workers in his police car to certain houses in Wenatchee that his daughter pointed out to be where the sexual abuse was occurring. Uh, she listed 22 locations. She stated that she and numerous other children were being abused regularly since January of 1988. The, the drive became, lo became known locally as the Parade of Homes, or the Drive-By. Uh, many people convicted were poor, like I said before. They were mentally challenged, and they were on government assistance. Lawyers for these people said their guilty pleas were coursed. Uh, eventually, as far as the arrests go, uh, there were 43 adults arrested. Damn. Uh, there was yeah. 29,726 charges of sexual abuse. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it was said to have involved 60 children in 1995. The government resources and the money and time alone. Yes. When we had fucking serial killers in the 80s and the 90s, everybody was too busy looking for Satan. Yes. Fuck. And also yep. taking away from other child molestation yes. cases that were credible. That were right. absolutely credible. Let's, let's think about it. What serial killers were going on at this time? Uh, Eileen Warnos. Yeah. Um, Ramirez? Richard Ramirez? Uh, the, the people that, that were arrested, uh, they were parents, and, and they were actually Sunday school teachers. Uh, many were convicted of sexual abuse of children, and they were accused of sexually abusing their own children or their foster children. Several claimed their confessions were coerced. No confessions were taped. No notes were ever taken. And the person that was doing the interviewing of the sexual abuse was none other than Robert Perez. Wow. I recognize that name. Yeah. Nothing was taped. No notes were taken. Man, that is sounding something real familiar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, 16 adults entered Alfred Pleas. Now you're going to hear a little bit more about Alfred Pleas when we get into the West Memphis Three. But for those of you who don't know what, a guilt, what an Alfred Plea is, uh, it's a guilty plea that the defendants admit that the evidence provided by the prosecution would they would be able to convict them beyond a reasonable doubt. 
in a case. Uh, three defendants were arrested shortly after sharing their criticism of the cases. Caseworker named Paul Gleason criticized the way that Perez interviewed the kids, uh, and he was arrested for tampering with a witness. Uh, we're going to skip to uh, 1999. Uh, the Washington State Legislature passed the Perez Bill, uh, which requires child abuse investigators to keep accurate records of their interviews and does not allow investigations to be investigated if it involves their own children. Uh, as far as the trials go, uh, prosecutors, they were unable to provide any physical evidence to support the charges against the people that they were trying to convict. Big surprise. I, I really, like, why couldn't somebody have even fabricated some type of evidence right. just for entertainment purposes? I agree. Like, there was nothing. Yep. The no, main, like, oh, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I just, it just blows my mind that over and over and over again, it's just, it's the, it's finding out what shit sticks to the wall. Yeah. Yep. What story that we tell juries works so we don't need evidence at all. It's, yep. I, I hate that. It makes and my blood so boil. So that like journalists um, following that can make as much money as they want. Media personalities can make as much money. I mean, it's it's really. Is Michael Jordan a Satanist? Fuck you both. All right. <laughs> it was fitting, Dennis. Like that's I've listened to that segment probably thirty times. That was funny. Even yes, taking editing out of it thirty times on my own. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Still makes me geek out. Good. Uh, the main witnesses of the case in the trial were, of course, Robert and Donna Perez. Uh, and Perez, as I said before, he was also the investigator of the cases. Uh, they had later, they had later, later the jury acquitted them of all remaining charges. So nobody was ever found guilty. Uh, one juror commented that acquitting them was not a difficult decision for us. And that's yeah. a quote from one of the, the Alpha Breeze, right? Yeah. Uh, some met with uh, the people that were tried after the trial. They said that they were very angry and upset about what happened to them. And that this, and they were pissed off that this case was even brought to trial. Uh, that the uh, a lot of the jurors criticized this case as a witch hunt and a waste of money because of the lack of evidence. Uh, the case later led to a book by Pierce County Public Defender Catherine Lyon titled "Witch Hunt: A True Story of Social Hysteria and Abused Justice." And that's all I got for that. Yeah, it's definitely not necessarily the SRA piece of things, but it's, it's no. the same old, same old song and dance. Getting creative in the 90s, though, that's for sure. Yeah. And their, and their application of this blanket and umbrella of satanic panic and SRA and mm -hmm. all of that shit. Uh, we are going to take a quick uh, bathroom break. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I got to go. Yeah, I had way too... Uh, I think bathroom. Yeah, I, I, I think I want to pee. The new one on my leg. Yeah, because we just heard the, uh, the I want to pee case. I want to pee. I want to pee, Case. Yeah, I think Belial wants da -da -da. To, to, to piss, too. Da -da -da. We'll be right back. Da -da -da. Da -da -da. Guess what? The fun is over. Now we're going to get to the downright evil stuff. Oh, no! take a look at some of these satanic songs hail satan and bill what do we say hail satan hail satan hail satan, hail satan indeed. indeed yes 
<laughs> All right. So going with this whole satanic panic situation, I figured it, it might be fun to do an album that caused a little bit of controversy back in 1996. Now, we dropped a hint earlier about who we were talking about. You may have been able to figure it out from that hint. But if you don't know who it is, we're talking about Mr. Brian Warner, a.k.a. Marilyn Manson. I'm so fucking hyped. Awesome, my, my all-time favorite artist. Yes, we're talking about, of course, Antichrist Superstar. I saw him uh, Easter Sunday in 98. And the Spectrum. Easter Sunday. At the fucking Spectrum. That's fitting. What a fun. wonderful time to have a concert. Yes. I was in Leave fifth us grade. Maryland, yeah, it was great. <laughs> All right, so Antichrist Superstar. This is the second album from him. Uh, it was released uh, on October 8th of 1996 by Nothing Interscope Records. It debuted at number three on Billboard Top 200. It's pretty fucking impressive. Yes, it is. So it was up against a lot of garbage. I'm sure it was. Uh, They started recording it in February, and they they, uh, finished the recording in August. Uh, It was recorded at Nothing Studios in New Orleans, Louisiana. It was produced by Manson, along with uh, Sean Beaven. He was a former former Skinny Puppet producer. Uh, Dave Oganine and some guy named Trent Renzer. Some guy. Yeah, who knows? Are you some serious? Some guy. guy? <laughs> oh, wait the fuck. Can we back up? What do you mean, some guy? Nah, he's a bitch. <laughs> Whoa. No, no, no. I hurt myself <laughs> today. Here. Did you really? Closer. Apparently not enough. Hold on, wait a minute. Closer, the hand that feeds, head in a hole. Like, head like a hole. Like, are you serious? You're, you're talking shit on Nine Inch Nails Fuck right Renzer. now. Fuck Pearl Jam, too. Fuck Pearl <laughs> Jam. I'll give you that, but we're talking fucking Nine Inch Nails no, right like now. Nine Inch Nails. Holy Listen, shit. Nine Inch Nails as a whole is okay to me. I agree. Fuck that, was a, that was a joke. I, yeah, I, I actually overall, like that. Trent Reznor kind of is a douche, but he what he's douche done and his contributions like to the industry and stuff or sec- look what he's doing with the Watchmen like yeah. the soundtrack and I everything guess, on that that's fucking incredible I guess right. I guess it's like my hatred for Tool like I cannot fucking stand Maynard but everyone fucking loves him for some, some reason I've never yeah. been a Tool fan I'm actually the mushroom trip that traumatized me to Tool oh, I hate that fucking band <laughs> alright I was just joking about that whole Nine Inch Nails thing I'm actually a big fan of them of him I guess you could say uh, as far as Antichrist Superstar goes, uh, it has sold almost 2 million copies in the United States alone and over 7 million worldwide. And this is of, as of 2011. I bought a copy of it. Me too. I want to wait to fucking well. FYE or Sam Goody. Yeah, I actually have the sticker still on the back. Yeah, me too. I think I paid maybe eleven ninety nine. Dude, I, I have a stack, a stack of jewel cases with the wall stickers on them. <laughs> <laughs> My friend worked there, so he, he used to give me just rolls of those stickers. So if one of my CDs or cassettes broke, you just stick it on there and go back there. Yep. Um, a little bit of controversy about the album was the recording of the album was accompanied by excessive drug use. And it produced a high level of antagonism between the band members. Uh, this led to the album being the last to feature the founding guitar player, Daisy Berkowitz, who quit partway through the recording, uh, leaving uh, Twiggy Ramirez to play the remaining guitar parts. And the other, I guess I can go into that, uh, the personnel for the band is, of course, Marilyn Fuck Manson. Yeah. Who is, you know, the vocalist. He also played guitars, acoustic guitar. 
uh, the bass, and the pan flute. And he was a producer. Uh, Daisy Berkowitz, the guitar player. Real uh, quick, fun fact about this. Through. This was the theme song to four of my episodes of that cable access show I told you I had. Really? really? It was fucking fantastic. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah, it's a strong-ass intro song. Love it. Uh, Twiggy Ramirez, uh, he played the guitar parts Twiggy. for Daisy after he left. Or quit. Uh, he's fucking also played bass. Who didn't love Twiggy? His fucking dress. Yeah, he was I don't like Twiggy anymore. I just learned that he quit. Fucking oh, Twiggy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Madonna Wayne Gacy, the keyboard player. Yep. And Ginger Fish, the drummer. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic name. It is. Ginger Fish. Yes. Yeah. I guess it's Ginger Rogers and Albert Fish. Yep. Combined for uh, those names. Okay. Yes, it is. And Twiggy is obviously Manson and oh, yeah. Richard Ramirez. And Madonna Wayne Gacy, self-explanatory. Oh, yes. And Daisy Berkowitz is too. It's poetic. Yes. It's an actually a great idea. <laughs> it really Brilliant. is. Yeah, Brilliant. Uh, the storyline of this particular album uh, revolved around a being, uh, like a supernatural being, who seizes all power from humanity in order to initiate the end of the world or an apocalyptic end to mankind. I guess you could call it like a demigod rock star. Right. That's what I would call it. Uh, he's driven by hate and despair. Uh, he uses his new position to destroy the world. Like, why not? Uh, it was actually the, the concept of this album. It was actually a tribute to Frederick Nietzsche, uh, specifically his philosophy concept of putting yourself through a transformation to become something superhuman. Uh, now, of course, with this album came the controversial tour. Which was the Dead to the World tour. It was all over the news. Yes. Oh my it gosh. Was heavily, the heavily criticized the video clips by the Christian the... right. Uh, most venues that he played at were picketed by religious organizations. Thank you, Kurt Loder and Tabitha Soren <laughs> for. <laughs> yes. My two favorite MTV, <laughs> two of my favorite, but they told me all about all the protests and taught me a lot about yes. Manson in the 90s. Yeah, uh, they were they were picketed, as I said. Most of the venues that he played at on this tour were picketed um, because of more accusations and rumors of onstage drug use, sex with animals, and satanic rituals, which included human and animal sacrifices. I was about to say, do you remember the rumor passed around that he wouldn't start the show until the this, the puppy was sacrificed and thrown back up on stage? Yep. Yeah, I remember that one. That was huge in school. I also heard a rumor that he was Paul from the Wonder Years. <laughs> yes, I remember that. One. Yes. <laughs> Shit, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, it's. I mean, I thought I actually thought it was. Billy true. Corgan was the kid from Small Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I was convinced that he was Paul from the Wonder Years until you know I snapped out of it. Now, along with the sources. yeah, along with the criticizing of you know the Christian right and the uh, the religious organizations, there were also some acolytes that came along with Antichrist superstar. Mostly, it was praised by critics for its production. As it should be. It's yeah, fucking it was great. beautiful. Uh, Kerrang! Uh, they had they actually uh, listed it three times. It was listed as third best album of 1996. It was placed at number 14 on their 100 albums you must hear before you die. And it was number 88 on 100 greatest rock albums, and that's from Kerrang! 
Nice. Uh, it made Q's list of the 50 heaviest albums of all time in 2001. Speaking of lists, this song is um, like my top 10 of songs to fuck to. Tourniquet? Yeah. Ooh, yes. that's a good choice. Yeah. Okay. I gotta try <laughs> Yeah, that. you do. Have you ever fucked a German polka? <laughs> German polka? <laughs> yes, no, I'm I talking about, I'm telling you. Give it a fucking shot. Yeah, I fucked a Rammstein, but... <laughs> that's, that's given, but Close no. no, try German polka. German polka. Yes. It's the same effect as ballerina music. I don't know. Like I've never fucked mood. a ballerina. I don't even, what the fuck is ballerina music? I don't know. I just what, like, picture the music box yeah, shit music with box the shit. ballerinas spinning around. Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yes. Thank you. Someone that knows what they're talking about. do that. do that one romantic night. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, I want to fuck to the one circus romantic. theme song. Yes, that'd be great. That killer clown, the theme song, but, but, the killer but, clown but from it, Outer but Space. But do it dressed up as Pogo the Clown. I'm telling you, the theme song, the killer clown from Outer Space, is on my sex playlist. Really? Yeah. All right. Put you in the mood. Nice. Brian Sorry, Warner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and NME uh, on their 2009 100 Greatest Heavy Metal Albums listed Antichrist Superstars number 92. All right, so let's get into these these uh, these songs, these controversial, hateful songs that he wrote. Uh, most of the lyrics, of course, were written by Manson himself, except for um, I believe Irresponsible Hate Album that was written by him and Twiggy. Uh, the album itself is in three parts. Uh, cycle one being called the Hierophant, and that consists of the first track, Irresponsible Hate Anthem. Number two, The Beautiful People. Number three, Dried Up, Tied, and Dead to the World. And number four, Tourniquet. Uh, five through 11 is cycle two, Inauguration of the Worm. And that consists of Little Horn, Crypt Orchid, Deformology, Worm Boy, Mr. Superstar, Angel with Scab Wings in Kinderfield. Cycle 3 is a Disintegrator Rising. And that's 12 through 16. That's Antichrist Superstar, 1996. Minute of Decay, The Reflecting God, which is my favorite song. And Man That You Fear. And there's also a hidden track, track 99. So I guess you could say there's 17 tracks on this album. I miss hidden tracks on albums. Right? Yeah, they, on that was a trend for a long time. It's ha It has different names. Uh, some people call it Revelation 99 and some people call it Empty Sounds of Hate. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, I'm sure everybody's already heard the album. So, I mean, what's really what's really left to say about this record? Now, wait. Well, now, wait. What? Now, that's that is a fair assumption, but there are a lot of young ears, right? That that may unfortunately only be subjected to a small little genre and niche of dark satanic music. Well, that's true. Yeah, you're right. So about if you that. haven't, obviously, everyone knows Manson's in the scene. But if you haven't given this full album, not one track, not two tracks, not just the beautiful right. people, don't just be listen done to the beautiful it. people. Yes. Listen to it from start to finish and and appreciate like the flow. Like there was that people used to actually plan out the structure and progression and songs on albums right now albums have become collections of singles <laughs> and it's fucking yeah, sad that's true but please listen to this album from start to finish you won't regret it right and by the man himself marilyn manson what he said about antichrist superstar uh he said antichrist superstar is about me growing up and wanting to become something that people would adore instead i grew up and became something that people hated <laughs> oh you agree with that huh 
Belial's right there with you. He he, he agrees with it. Uh, As far as Antichrist Superstar goes for me, uh, I think this album communicates pain and passion. Uh, I I think it combines hate and fear. And I think it combines all of those in an unholy sound and fury that only somebody like Marilyn Manson could could deliver. It's concept, it's production, it's lyrics, his vocals, I think they're stellar. Uh, I think it combines all genres of of rock from uh, Black Sabbath, I think, to Queen, to even David Bowie, you know, sprinkled in. Uh, It's got goth style from like Bajas. Uh, thrown in for some good measure. I mean, it, it still stands the test of time today. Most certainly does. And it's probably more relevant today, I think anyway, than it than it would be in 1996. So I mean, hail Satan, hail Marilyn Manson, and hail him for not bowing down and staying true to himself. Hail right Marilyn on. Manson. Hail Marilyn Manson. Dennis, you yes. are wigging out over there and having a good old time. This is my all-time favorite song by this motherfucker. Every time it comes on, I go fucking crazy. <laughs> so I know Manson means a lot to you. If you're going to yes. sum up the impact that is music <laughs> or you meeting him or going to his shows, like what is what does that had on you overall? Um, I don't know. It was it was I, I got into Manson my late it was like late second grade early third grade i found my my mom's copy of manson um of this of no i guess i guess it wasn't even that no i I guess it was 96 i saw him in 98 which was fifth grade so i I guess it would have been third grade that that i found manson um and i heard it just i i i put it on instantly fell in love with it and um i don't know it, it just it hit me close, um, and then you know, with everything that that went on in that time period into the the early two thousands, and you know, I was always fucking called weird for listening to him and all that. And then, um, and I guess not then, um, but uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, like you said, with me meeting him, I got the I got the chance to meet him after. How long would that have been? Ninety. I guess I found him in 97, 90, 90, 97, 96, 97, and then I met him 2018 in August in Atlanta when they were doing that Twinsy Evil tour. It was him and uh, Rob Zombie. Okay. Got backstage passes to the show. Uh, my mom has a friend who was his tour manager at the time. Uh, so he hooked us. I love stories <laughs> yeah, like nice. this. He hooked so it was me and, my, and it's my mom's favorite artist at, at, at all. You know, also like it's just something that me and my mom share in, in, in common and um. We both got backstage passes, so me and my mom went to go see fucking Manson and, and Rob Zombie in, in Atlanta in 2018. Fucking oh, you showed me some of the backstage pictures, I, right? Like, yeah. I was like, I was like five feet away from his fucking altar, and like, I have. Uh, did I show you the video? I've got um the sound check of Rob yep. Zombie of oh, dude, it was it was like my whole school fucking experience. I was reliving. It was so nostalgic. It was. I felt like a kid again. Like, so it was yeah, cool. These, this was my dream come true. Yeah, it was, I mean, I got to go onto Mance's tour bus, nice. hang out, talk with him, take uh, a picture with him. That's awesome. It was fucking awesome. Nicest motherfucker yeah. I have ever met. Down to earth, intelligent as fuck, as we all know, but... Alright, and Veronica, I thought I heard you say earlier that you had bought the album or you had, you had liked a certain song on the album. Yeah, not the album, but uh, The Beautiful People. Um, my favorite podcaster's uh, favorite song of all time. I mean, still very popular one, probably the most. But 
I've just found that like people from all walks of life in my life like that song. My one of my Christian coworkers even now is her ringtone. It's been her ringtone yeah. for as long as I've worked with her. So I just think like that's pretty cool. I'm still working my way through all of the albums, um, and I love his biography. Uh, you know, raised as a Seventh Day Adventist, and then goes into school for mm-hmm. music and journalism, um, and comes out with uh, Marilyn Manson and the Spooky Kids, which was then cut down to just Marilyn Manson. Right. Um, so, uh, just just really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's a hell of a guy. He's doing a lot of media appearances now too. Um, he's a he's a uh, movie star now. Yeah, and a TV star. And the TV, he was the in TV, Sons of Anarchy yeah, for a while. The, the TV appearances that, that he's yeah. doing is hear. completely like dressed down. You if you not yeah. if you don't know what he, if you're not looking for him, you won't notice him. Mm-hmm. I saw a scene he did in. I'm not sure if it was like Law and Order or CSI or something where he played a waiter. Um, and I'm looking for the track tennis wants me to play. I it's uh, 15. One. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I think this is the best song on the album. <laughs> yeah, this is between this and the beautiful people. You know, Tourniquet's a, a, up there too. I don't know. I think I've listened to Tourniquet. Oh come on, irresponsible years, more, Are you fucking kidding me? More than the beautiful people. I mean, I was young when this album came out, so I latched on to the music. And you know, beautiful people was the, the awesome. Like right. I was telling Johnny, they used the beautiful people for. WWF Monday Night Raw theme song intro. Right. Yeah, it's hype music. It's that fucking drums. Like, you're ready for battle. See, like, with with me, it was like. breaks in. With me, it was that song 1996. Like, I was a very, I was a very aggressive and angry child. And that, like, it just helped me fucking release all that shit. Yeah, Rage Against the Machine did that to me, too. A lot of that shit. All right, well, as usual, stellar review, Johnny. Thank you. I like this one. This fucking album brings back a lot of memories. Yeah, it does. So thank you once again. I don't know. Hail Marilyn Manson. Hail Marilyn Manson. It was it was Mechanical Animals for me. I think that came out in 99. Yeah, that was the one after. Yeah. Just sitting there I playing Sega Genesis, Earthworm Jim, and listening to, to, to uh, yeah. Mechanical Animals. I forgot to mention that in the review. It's, it's actual uh, a trilogy. It was Antichrist Superstar first, and then it was Mechanical Animals, and, and then, then it was Hollywood. Yeah. So there you go. Even more stuff to listen yep. to. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us for the music review. We'll be right back. Now it's time to read the Devil's Dictionary. Today's word is ritual. Definition of ritual as an adjective. Of or relating to rites or a ritual. Ceremonial. A ritual dance. According to a religious law. Ritual purity. Done in accordance with social, custom, or normal protocol. Ritual handshakes. Definition of ritual as a noun. The established form for a ceremony. The order of words prescribed for a religious ceremony. Ritual observance. A system of rites. A ceremonial act or action. An act or series of acts regularly repeated in a set precise manner. Ritual used in a sentence. According to GreatFaction.org, while mainstream media outlets learned to exercise slightly more discretion in reporting upon satanic ritual abuse claims after the 90s, mental health licensing oversight boards have done nothing to censure the practices of those credentialed professionals who continue to make conspiracy claims of a satanic cult conspiracy. Thanks for listening this week.
Hail Grave Action, Hail Thyselves, and Abbas Satanus. I fucking loved growing up in the 90s. The music, Manson, Nine Inch Nails, Rage Against the Machine. I mean, Fuck you yeah, name dude. It. Uh, lots of cool parts about growing up in the 90s for sure. But purple I don't have ketchup. Much 90s reference. Um, I was born in 96. Aww. Missed out on clear Pepsi, purple ketchup, the beginning of Pokemon. I was there for green ketchup, though. Well, the green ketchup came with a pur- purple ketchup, same time. I thought it was during Shrek. Okay, we'll figure it out. I do not remember Purple Ketchup. Where did Purple Ketchup come from? Heinz. They did purple and green ketchup. It was in a squeeze bottle. Was it part of some promotion or something? Like Ghostbusters or something? It was out for a good six years. It was a Barney promotion. It must have been that fucking (laughs) friendly purple dinosaur. Another great part of the 90s. Barney is a dinosaur from my imagination. Then I know dinosaur sensation. That's all I know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what goes in between. I'm sorry. So yeah, I, I guess that was the year that was 91. That was a perfect funnel of talking about some of the fucked up shit in the 90s. And <laughs> exactly, you know, we're here for the satanic panic in the 1990s. And the biggest focal point when it comes to the satanic panic throughout the 1990s, when it comes to cases and impact, was the West Memphis Three. We've talked about this. We've mentioned the West Memphis Three in conversation and Patreon episodes right from the beginning. And it keeps coming up. And we figured we'd dedicate a good portion of this uh, this episode into diving in to the atrocities and the story. With us, obviously, uh, we have Dennis and Veronica. And they are going to take us on a journey. Uh, give us a little backstory. If you're familiar with the cases or not, it's definitely, hopefully, going to provide you some insight. Dennis, Veronica, it's all you. Take it away. Before we get started on this journey, uh, you will hear us talk about something called Paradise Lost. That is a three-part series that HBO put out. Um, they were in the courtrooms during this investigation and, and trials and, and all that, and they filmed everything. So you can you can go on and you can watch all that. Um, but I just wanted to let you know, this is, this is something we will be referring to, so you're not lost. So it all starts the night of um, May 5th, 1993. On the night of a full moon. Was it a full moon? Mm-hmm. Dude, case solved. Werewolves did it. <laughs> More likely than the West Memphis Three doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, as much as it pains to laughter and, you know, diving into something so serious. Yeah, you're right? absolutely right. It's way more likely. Three boys, Christopher Byers, Steve Branch, and Michael Moore, were last seen about 6.30 playing at the edge of Robin Hood Hills. Now, Robin Hood Hills is a just a section of woods that separates I-40 from this sub-community that these these children lived in. About 8 o'clock, well, a little bit before 8 o'clock, Christopher Byers' father, John uh, John Mark Byers, called the police. You know, my, my kid's missing, right? Mm-hmm. I do the same fucking thing. Yeah, but, enough time had passed. I'd say I'd do the same thing. Right. Police show up, take his uh, statement and all that, and they, they leave about 8.40 no more than two minutes later, they get another call. This black man had run into the Bojangles. That's about a mile down the road. It's a restaurant? Yes. Bojangles. Huge in the South. I mean, mm-hmm. when I lived okay. out in South Carolina, they were all over the place. Funny enough, I, I think it was a Bojangles. It was either Bojangles or Hardee's had a huge uh, hepatitis A outbreak down in right outside Greenville. And it's probably from random people running in, <laughs> leaving blood all over the walls and, and right. nobody <laughs> investigating it. So... 
Yeah, so this they they get this call that that this black man ran into Bojangles covered in blood and and mud, and he ran into the women's room, but like smeared blood all over the walls. And I mean, what's the point in doing that? Like, no, wait, wait, wait. This very is... disoriented. He ran in extremely disoriented guess, and yeah. um, upset. Um, so she pulls up to the drive-through, and the manager, you know, explains everything to her. And he had just this man had just left minutes before the cop had pulled up, so. He had to be in the in the general vicinity. She had plenty of time to look around for I him. I think they said he left the restaurant going north towards the dumpsters, um, and he had left maybe like a few minutes before she pulled up. Right, yeah. right. But uh, she takes the statement, does not go into the restaurant to look at any of the crime, I wouldn't say crime scene, but just the, just the, the scene that had happened. Yeah, the condition and the, of the, the bathroom. Exactly. The Absolutely no backup is called, um, and unfortunately it's a restaurant, so it was cleaned up. Pretty immediately and with very strong chemicals. I mean, it's right. a restaurant. You can't just leave blood and mud all over, you know, a, a restroom. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, she uh, she actually leaves. She doesn't go in and investigate any of this. It takes a call about a couple kids that were egging a house. The uh, the parents uh, round up some of the neighbors and all that, and they go into the woods themselves, and they're searching for, for these kids for hours out there. And they actually get pretty close. Like, I mean, almost dead on to where the bodies were found. They got right there, but just... You know, couldn't see. It was nighttime. Right. So the next day comes, the uh, the West Memphis Police Department comes in, and they bring um, the Chittenden uh, County Search and Rescue Team. And they mean they're shoulder to shoulder sweeping through this wood for hours in the morning. Mm-hmm. Nothing's turning up. They can't they can't find anything. It was it was roughly noon. They decided to go search other places. You know, there was a uh, there was a truck stop that was on the one side of the um of the woods. They, they, you know, some people went over there to see if you know if anybody at the truck stop knew anything. If they went because I think uh I think I fifty five was on that side. Okay. So this one cop, Steve Jones, decided to stay behind, and he's searching around, and he's looking, and there's a, um, it, it was a man-made, like, rain, like, water runoff, and they called it the 10-mile bayou diversion ditch. It was basically a drainage ditch, right? Yes. Right. Yes. But it was, I mean, it was always, it always had water in it, but a very muddy bottom to it. So he, he's, like, moving his way towards there, and he sees a black shoe floating in the water. Radios, yeah. radios it in. And uh, Sergeant Steve Allen comes running down, and he, I mean, he just immediately just dives into the fucking water. And it's like quicksand. It's like, you know, yeah. and, and so mud is... I think it was up to like like halfway up their shin, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like sucking his feet out and all that. And when he does, a body floats to the surface. It's and that like was Michael Moore. Michael Moore. They leave the body there, and he continues to search, and he sees like sticks that are that are poked out of the water, like very oddly, like not in a natural position. Exactly. He, he pulls <clears throat> one out, and there's a, there's a there's a white shirt and, and pants wrapped around it, and you know it's these kids' clothes. Mm-hmm. And he keeps searching. They end up finding all the clothes except for I think it was two pair of underwear and and a sock. Yes, but they find the other two bodies. They pull them all up, and uh, they actually left the bodies out. Like, they, they didn't call the... Well, not yet. And when they did call the vehicle that was supposed to take them away, um, the, the woods at that time was actually so thick that they had to carry the bottom uh, the bodies themselves out really? of the woods and, and put I mean, them they, into the vehicle. They had, like, maggots on them. Mm-hmm. And speaking about details on the bodies, they were, they were tied. It was wrist to ankle, um, you know, each side behind them. So, you know, the bodies are arched backwards and they were tied up with their shoelaces. Both Michael Moore and um, Steve Branch were beaten in the head with Steve Branch also having a bite mark like right above his eye. 
well, later during the trial, they tried to claim that that was some uh, satanic indication that it was done by Satanists. Oh, um, was it? Yeah. And then it also could have very well been done by an animal. I mean, I've been, I've been, or a sex offender. Yeah, or a sex offender. Exactly. Like it definitely, it definitely wasn't Damien Eccles or any of the West Memphis three. That's for sure. Right. Right. Going to Christopher Byers, his penis was filleted. It was skinned. And the, the top from where the circumcision is up was chopped off. His, his scrotum was completely cut off, repeatedly stabbed all around his groin and, and you know, fucking horrible. And of course, the first thing that anybody is going to come to the conclusion of, especially after the 1980s and everything we learned about in part one, yeah, it was, was either, Satanism yeah, because of the gang extreme... The Rivera documentary um, that you you sent me that actually uh, for its time became the most um, widely watched documentary up until that point. Mm-hmm. The Geraldo Rivera documentary. Yeah, that uh, is that that two hour one we watched. Yeah. Oh man, I couldn't stand that shit. <laughs> yeah, it was it was rough to watch. That was horrible. Anton LeBay's daughter, I think, Zena. Yes, it had it had her and, and a lot of people. He, on there. It had the other spokesman of the of the church, but he. He made a branch. I think we talked about this before in another episode. He made a branch off of the Church of Satan, and it's like the Sons of Werewolves, or it's it's, it's like the Temple of Werewolves, yeah, or something talking, yeah, like that. Yeah, you definitely mentioned that before. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't remember the specific name. So these kids are found. All types of red flags are going off. What happens yes. next? Well, the next day, what would that be May 7th? Damien Eccles is immediately brought in for questioning. Now, the reason being... The guy who found the shoe, Steve Jones, was Damien Eccles' parole officer. And friends with another um, parole officer that was, you know, local to the community who had, frankly, kind of been infected with this kind of satanic panic to the point where he had um, put together, like, his own little tasks for, uh, task force. Oh, that, would that be Officer James Sudbury? That would be Jerry Driver. Oh, Jerry Driver. Yeah. Okay. So it's a little bit... I mean, kind of crazy to me that two days after this, suddenly this list is presented to everybody now involved in the case. And emotions are high. The the town is is kind of crushed. You know, like, how did this happen in a small, like, Christian town, basically, where everybody knows everybody and everybody's kids play together? And Jerry Driver took it upon himself to single out some people he didn't think belonged in this community for reasons we'll get into. Um, right. And this list was then handed to uh, the primary investigator. Gary Gitchell. Yes. <laughs> so gotta love Chief Investigator Gary Gitchell and that beautiful mustache of his. So you, he looks just like Jim Leahy from Trailer <laughs> yes, Park. Yes, he Boys. does. Uh, <laughs> I'm mowing the air, Rand. Uh, Jim Leahy, uh, John Dunsworth, rest in peace. He was the liquor. I uh, love that guy. Um, anyways, but uh, so he went right to Damien Eccles, and you said that this, that cop was uh, the parole officer, yes, or, or whatever um, counselor or whatever assigned. Whatever he was. Mm -hmm. So this Damien Eccles, um, he obviously had been in trouble because the cop that found the shoe that you were telling us about uh, had a previous relationship with him, whether he was a parole officer, probation or whatever. Uh, What kind of life did Damien lead or what kind of what kind of kid was he? Somebody that didn't fit in um, for a bunch of very silly reasons. Uh, Black hair into metal wore black. Um, I've heard it described that he didn't wear much outside of black. The reason he wore black was his girlfriend thought it looked sexy on him. So, I mean, if, you know, he's in love with his girlfriend. Of course he's going to wear black. You think I look good in it? Fuck you. I'll and wear it for you. there were a few instances where um, he and that girlfriend had, I guess, tried to run away at some point. Yes. Um, uh, there was one night they, they actually um, held up in an abandoned trailer in the same trailer park that Damien lived in. Mm-hmm. 
and were caught. They, yeah, they were caught in there. I think they were caught having sex, but. If that is correct, fuck yes, Damien. Get it. <laughs> Get it. Teenage interactions that caused a stir with this girl's uh, parents at the time. Um, and Jerry Driver and uh, the other parole officer didn't take very kindly to it. And at some point, there was some institutionalization that had happened. Um, wasn't he given like a full disability status? I think it was by jo Dr. George W. Woods. I, I think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of uh, the extent of what I know. It was a little bit, I think, well known that he was experimenting with Wicca. Um, he had some, again, uh, mostly to do with music and literature, to my knowledge, um, things they later found in his home, uh, which we'll also get into that they decide it was, you know, pretty damning um, as evidence for somebody, a kid to be into. And the other two, Jason Baldwin, to my knowledge, ended up on the radar for being Damien Eccles' best friend. Well, the, the reason they both got on the radar is because Damien and Jason were both uh, had previous previously both been arrested for uh, vandalism and shoplifting. Okay. So they, they, you know, they they already had police records. They the police already knew who they were. So they were associated criminally too. Yes. Yeah. What about Jesse? Yes, petty criminals. How did he pop up on the radar? I mean, I know they all hung out, but. Yeah, he was associated with them. Um, they weren't really friends. I don't know exactly what they were hoping to get out of Jesse when um, they took him in initially. And I think, in my opinion, once they figured out that they could lead him as easily as they would end up yeah, leading him, they said, let's too, stick with it. Um, and there's another kid, Aaron, who, you know, Dennis yes. is familiar with. Um, it, it looks like, you know, they ended up doing the same thing. It didn't really maybe start out as a we're going to go after these people and get testimonies from these people just because they're tied in any you know um, very stark way it's after you figure out that they're giving you what they want and you can just roll with it instead of looking deeper into anything right how much time no. it passed from the time from when they you know picked up damien and started questioning him well, until they rallied up everybody else they they didn't pick up damien that day may 7th they just took a visit to his house and they talked to him and Jason. Oh, yeah. And, they got the ball rolling on. Yeah, they got the <clears> ball rolling. Now, yeah. that same day, as you had mentioned, Veronica, just a second ago, this boy named Aaron. He's a classmate of this three of the three boys that were killed. Okay. Now, he, on May 7th, went into the police department and said that he saw um, one of the children talking to um, a black man in a maroon, a tall black man in a maroon car. Could it have been the same black right. man from the Bojangles incident you mentioned Could earlier? Could it have been? No. I mean, I figure you're bringing this shit up for a reason, right? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so Aaron kind of, uh, from that point, again, he's a, he's a young kid. He was classmates with the boys and was sort of led in this direction where the story just got more and more unbelievable. Um, he said at one point he was there. He was in a tree. He was watching them. Um, like be sexually assaulted and murdered and he eventually escaped at one point none of it ended uh, added up it, it kept changing right. and it's a little kid who who wants to get out of this interrogation room but unfortunately you know the prosecution uh, the prosecution used it successfully and they were leading the fuck out of him the whole time wasn't and it, then right? came the miss kelly confessions during the miss kelly confessions they uh they coerced Mr. 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 Kelly. They they used they used um, his lack of intelligence. Uh, he he had an IQ of seventy two, and they basically started with uh, all right. Well, when were you guys in the woods? 
uh, he, he, I think he said noon. Mm-hmm. He said morning, noon, yeah. not even the right time of day. Right. And, the, he, and of course, the cops knew that the, the little boys were in school at that point. So he's like, are, are you sure about that? Like, you know, it wasn't after school. He goes, oh, well, you know, maybe it was three or four. And, you know, okay, well, you know, like, and he's, he's like, kept coercing him more and more. I kept changing to six or seven. Then it was eight or nine. And, and you know, then, then they kind of started rounding around that time and really pushing for that. And, and they were using, you know, like they would, they would yell at him if he said the wrong answer. So he would then back up and he would start the entire thing over and say sentence for sentence what they're saying. He was literally repeating back what they were saying. The same tactics used in the McMartin trials with all of those children. Yes. The same tactics. Now, find a reoccurring pattern here. Yeah. You of, think, yeah now, makes me sick to my stomach. And this shit still happens today. Mm-hmm. Now, you can say the same thing with Aaron. You know, this little boy. They were, you know, from, from May to June, they were, they were interviewing this boy. And they were coercing him as well. And they were pushing him. I mean, his story went wild. It went from a black man in a maroon car to i was there and i saw it and then i wasn't and then i was there again and then i escaped yeah yeah he he was he was tackled by by jesse miss kelly and tied up and then jesse miss kelly put a knife in his hand and he he was supposed to stab one of the boys and it was it was it was and then he hopped on a broomstick and flew to bojangles and had a cheeseburger (laughs) (laughs) fuck why are we laughing during this? Please stop. No, I'm sorry. It just, and again, this is more or less I can answer that question easily. Right. And that's just to stress the ridiculousness of just of, of all the theatrics that were a part of this case. So after um, the Miss Kelly confessions, at that point, I do think the cops did go back to the restaurant to, they, they couldn't they even. They went back the day after. They went back on the 7th but to they do couldn't, a blood sample. Yeah, and they couldn't even get much. They did get a scraping, which was then lost in evidence. And the police did testify. Mm-hmm. During that trial, yeah, we'll they get said to yes. That. We'll get to that, Mr. Lady. Yeah, they got, Mr. They, got Lady they got blood and up. hair. They got blood and hair. You know, the, you know. Once, once, once Jesse confessed, they rounded Damien and Jason right up, and boom, they were in jail. Locked so that happens right on June third, just about a month after it all started to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. So after the arrest, um, you know, Jesse, of course, with withdraws. He's he's wondering why he's in jail, like. What the fuck's going on? Like, I didn't do any murders. Like, he what are you talking about? He thought his lawyer was a police officer. He didn't understand at first well, yeah, that his lawyer that, yeah. was working wow. for him. Wow, I didn't and, know about and that. representing his defense. Mm-hmm. He didn't understand that. Yeah, that's wild, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's crazy. That's a I didn't whole know anything about it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's ridiculous. From the arrest um, down to September, the defense was not getting any of the information that they were supposed to be getting none of the paperwork like it was very slowly trickling down to them like they didn't get aaron's confessions until september you know they got that going on they go into the preliminary hearings right there they say jesse's going to be tried separately that was because of the confessions because he withdrew his confession okay but the other and he refused didn't. to, I think, formally testify against, against okay. Jason. Yes. I always, I was curious about why he was officially separated it, from. It, the it, two. it confused me too, but yeah, I think, it, I think well, they it had a confession on him. The other two, they didn't have. Yeah, there was right. nothing. So after you know they get this this confession out of Jesse, of course they're going to go right away and pick up uh, Damien and Jason. Right, boom, mm-hmm. arrested. Everyone's thrown in jail. They've got their they've got their murderers. Yep. Um, and the town is pretty much behind them too this oh, entire so time. Behind People them. are looking for blood. And I mean, if you've seen the documentaries, if you've they read ye- anything, it's it's crazy. I mean, they were yelling his name before they arrested the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, after the, after the arrest, of course, you know Jesse's going to withdraw his his confession. So you know, like from from June to September, like 
they were not like the defense was the defense was not getting any of their information. Like it was very slowly trickling down to him. Like they didn't get the, the Aaron confessions until like September. But you know, after the preliminary hearings, it goes into the first the first trial. Or, or I should say during the preliminary hearings, I think I forgot to mention that Jesse was was brought up that he was gonna try separately than Damien and Jason because of his withdrawal. And they tried to use hit like they tried to coerce him into testifying against Damien and Jason, but he said no. So like, boom, second, you know, separate, separate. Yeah, I always trial. wonder about that, and I, I, they knew there had to be a reason for that. It just made no sense to me. Right, right. So the first trial was Jesse's trial. You know, it was it, it was nothing but them just going back and forth between his confessions. You know, the prosecution and the defense. And the defense you know, with the, with the 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 misinterpretations or the like the in, uh, the inconsistencies with with his testimony. None of his times are right. How he killed the children wasn't right. Where he killed the children wasn't right. Like until, until he was taught where everything was, how it was done. Oh, yeah. Like so, you know, it was, it was a bunch of that. Um, they actually brought in one of the the police, and he testified that they lost the blood and that they uh, got hair. from the restaurant. Yep. Yes, the, the the Bojangles blood they lost, and it was never even sent out for analysis. A big surprise. They, they didn't care what that blood told them. Right. And it's at that point. I mean, you got to kind of where I will speak a little bit on the defense of that police officer. You know, they don't know that three kids are dead yet when they go to that restaurant and take the report through the drive through right. window. Yeah. Um, and then the blood is, is cleaned up. The perpetrator, you know, the guy is not pursued. And, and they still don't know at that point that three kids are dead. So I don't know if that officer is necessarily making the connection you know in her mind. Back to the back to the first trial, uh, Jesse Miss Kelly. He uh, he was ended up handing handed a verdict of uh, first degree murder, one first degree murder, and two second degree murders. Uh, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole, and then another forty years on top of that, just for good measure. All right. Anyway, so let's go to the second trial. Um, it was a trial of Damien and Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Wait, but before I don't want to interrupt, but how fucked up is this? Like going into this being D- Damien and Jason. I, I can't. I Your can friend imagine. just like, got. You already know the outcome. No matter how much money right. you spent, and how much, how many <laughs> points you want to prove, the person that they're saying you did this with just got convicted. Right. Like he's going to jail for life. Right. What I mean, kind of fucking two boys help? are sitting in the courtroom going, "What did he say to them?" Yeah. No. Yeah. It's Jason, horrible. of course, is sitting there like, "Wait, I'm just somebody's friend, and that's why I'm here." You yeah. know, it's just yeah. a, a terrible. Um, you watch the Paradise Lost, and you can—I mean—you can see Damien like when they carry, when they bring him in and out, and like you know how he holds himself. Like he holds himself really well, but I mean, you can—you can see how he's feeling. And I, I can't imagine how I would feel in that situation. And like their I've parents, been, um, surprisingly, are very on their—not surprisingly, but are are very on their side, which is a kind well, of good thing to see in the documentary. Just because imagine, I guess, if you had a parent in that situation that was convinced that you are a devil oh, worshiper yeah. and you I mean, reason, are sacrificing kids. The game completely. Back to the case, like you know, it was it was just the prosecution coming down on top of him with with this whole like he wears black, he listens to metal, he has this tattoo, this and that, you know, real just bullshit, just just profiling the kid. And um, yeah, and I think that's where we kind of go into um what we talked about earlier, and that was you know putting emphasis on how exactly they proved satanic motive where they're clearly was none or none that was provable in any way right they brought that 
that expert in, right? Yes, Dr. Dale Griffiths, who we're now, going where, to talk about now. <laughs> where did he where did he get his PhD? He got his PhD at Columbia Pacific University. And where can you find Columbia Pacific University? In pamphlets. Oh, look at nice. that. <laughs> you don't have to go to classes or have you teachers necessarily. <laughs> and yet somehow this douche ends up as a prosecution expert on the occult. Um, so Dr. Dale, <laughs> uh, they did refer to him as a doctor, uh, for the entirety of the trial. He started out in law enforcement and claimed when, during the cross-examination that he kind of during the course of his law enforcement career developed an interest in non-traditional groups. And he said that this stemmed from the sixties riots. Um, he doesn't really elaborate on that too much. On the picture I'm getting in my head is Manson type cults, and and this that's guy maybe probably what I'm thinking, or can, maybe the Church of Satan. But, or... Yeah, that's true. Um, that's exactly true. That did come out that that year. Uh, in his minor defense, I can see a total point. Um, in law enforcement for departments that specialize in in cults and brainwashing and abuse, but not necessarily in Satanism, which. Uh, his interest then, you know, it built in, in satanic cult activity specifically. Um, and he went on to form kind of a, you know, a consultation career after he retired from being an officer. He made, it, he made it so that he had <laughs> lectures everywhere he wanted to go. Um, he <clears throat> testified uh, during the trial that he um, gave lectures to criminal justice resources, educators, mental health professionals. Um, and when asked about his current consulting work, said that he answered an average of 65 calls a week um, asking about the occult. And he did then later say that 80 percent of them um, were related to Satanism specifically. Later, again, during that cross-examination, he states, well, priests and ministers call me. So my question is, how many of those calls related to Satanism are priests and ministers? How many of those calls did he get to see with an exorcism? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Seriously. And how many of the checks he was cashing were how many issued times by churches? How much money did you make? And um, Damien many? and Baldwin's defense uh, completely covered that. You know, they said, you know, you've carved out quite a little cozy niche for yourself where there are none. And especially after that documentary that aired in 1988, you know, it doesn't surprise me you're getting 65 calls a, a week. Mm-hmm. And being called to very high-profile cases like this one and so how it turned out to be. Outside of his bullshit expertise, like, what else did this expert on the occult refer to as far as material that, like, of, of reference to try to prove these points? So he says um, in cases like this, he uh, typically will identify a Satanist with black hair, black T-shirts, an interest in um, metal music, tattoos, definitely. And he was called to kind of give his opinion on this key piece of evidence that was found in Damien's house. This piece of evidence was a book called Never on a Broomstick, written by Frank Donovan, published in 1971. They didn't go too much in depth into this book in the documentaries, um, from what I remember. And it has been out of print for a very long time. I tracked it down and I read it because, frankly, when I was first learning about this case, it for some reason interested me a lot more than you know known reading that was already out about the case i watched the documentaries and i thought 
there must be something really damning in this book mm -hmm. for, for them to have successfully proved Satanism as a, as a motive for these murders. So and, she put on her Veronica the Valedictorian hat and went to work. <laughs> yes, she did. And thank you for sending us that PDF. I can't wait to read it. Oh, it's no problem. And it is not leisurely reading. It is a school book. Um, and I'll tell you exactly why. It is not a manual on how to be a Satanist. It is not a manual on how to perform uh, disgusting satanic ritual murders. Um, it's it's a book that uh, lists in chronological kind of order the evolution of Wicca, witchcraft, occultism, and and Satanism. One of the chapters specifically outlines like the evolution of the imagery of Satanism, which is what Dale Griffiths used as key evidence uh, content in this book. He tried to claim, oh, well, this chapter was underlined and annotated. I read the chapter Rise of the Devil. It covers everything, you know, uh, mainly medieval cases, but the case of, of Joan of Arc, Gilderay, the Knights Templars, who a lot of them were executed for being accused of worshiping Satan after mm -hmm. they came back from their crusades. Um, it goes in it's, uh, the poisonings in the court of Louis the Fourteenth and how they thought the uh, poisoners were connected to like satanic cults in France at the time. Right goes into you know rumors and kind of legends about the uh, royal uh, Plantagenets and Henry the Eighth. It covers so much about the evolution um, of the story and imagery of Satan, um, where a lot of the influence comes from gods like Pluto, Loki, Set, Shiva. Um, how the how the story gets a little bit like more twisted and how he's able to become this kind of all powerful, you know, let's blame every terrible thing that goes on, on in the world on him and, and how ultimately the church and the state, different churches in different states were able to use Satanism as a uh, scapegoat to appropriate property from both wealthy classes and peasants alike. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's just a complete list of these cases, um, a lot of them which, you know, I was already very familiar with. Um, and after all those, you know, after all these cases that are outlined in that chapter, the only kind of satanic related um, thing I could find, I guess, that they could say Damien used at whatever point was this little um, oath of allegiance to the devil by uh, a priest named Urbane uh, Grandier, who, you know, lived very a long time ago and is long dead. Um, it was written backwards in Latin, not in the book, not in uh, Never on a Broomstick, but that's the only thing I can find. All these other annotations that Dale Griffiths brings up uh, Damien claimed uh, that they were not annotated by him. There's no way to prove that they were. Um, and there's nothing damning that I found in this book. Dale Griffiths even, you know, said that it looked like a majority of the book had not been read. I read the entire book. It's an anti-Inquisition book. Right. Essentially. Okay. And it's kind of absurd. Uh, it's not kind of. It's absurdist comedy that the state of Arkansas was able to use an anti-Inquisition book to successfully convict three innocent teenagers during a 1994 inquisition there is one little fallacious part of the book and it's in the prologue it kind of reads like if, if you've read uh roald dahl's the witches there's this very superstitious uh norwegian grandmother character who's listing off all the ways to spot a witch to her little grandson and it's very joking it's very roald dahl wrote willy wonk in the chocolate factory oh, yeah. it's, okay. it's, it's for kids and that prologue reads like that you know the author's just kind of trying to tease you be a little fallacious like oh your your modern witch is in the grocery store next to you it might be your neighbor 
uh, in the last chapter, it's called The Resurrection of the Craft. And it just states in, in so many ways that witchcraft is misunderstood and not inherently evil. The book is not in any way trying to get you or anyone to single anybody else out as a Satanist or as an occultist. Um, and it just kind of, you know, after finishing that, it was not what I expected. I mean, did it brings begs the question, did Dale Griffiths read this book, the expert right. on occultism? Did he read this book? I did, highly doubt it. Did the jury read this book? The judge so, didn't read this yeah, book. Something referenced so heavily and like used as such, you know, groundbreaking. Exactly. And um, on the, uh, you know, the part of the defense, um, their defenses went down the list of spells uh, briefly outlined in the book. Um, and he says, you know, Dr. Griffiths, there's a love spell listed. There's a memory spell. There's a spell for success, a cure for worms, a cure for cramps. Does any of this have anything to do with the crime scene? And Dale Griffiths says no. And then, you know, at the very end, he's asked Dale Griffiths, um, is there is there the possibility that this crime, with its lack of satanic ritual imagery, um, with its display fashion, is this possible that this is a sex crime and not necessarily a crime that's, you know, the basis for uh, the Dale yeah. Griffiths kept calling driven it the trappings. The, yeah, driven by the devil. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, Dale Griffiths says yes to that question. It is possible. It's a sex crime. And that's the thing. Like, and, and we, I know we're going to say this again when referencing this case is this is one case. How many other Dale Griffiths are there out there? 100%. How many How lectures many? has he given to officers, doctors, teachers? Pseudoscience fucking kills. How many Jason Baldwins are there out there? How many Damon Eccles are there out there? Like it's, Pseudoscience kills. It cost, uh, and we're going to get into the, sen the final sentencing, but right. 18 years yeah. off of three kids' lives. These, these kids had the cameras in the courtroom because of HBO's Paradise Lost. And, right. and one thing I know Damien talks about in... You know, the, one of the first things my mind goes to is the thousands of other cases that didn't make the media. Right. That maybe were a little bit more low-key, weren't as graphic, weren't as disturbing, yeah, but still nonetheless. still sitting in jail. Got thrown under this bullshit umbrella of satanic occult bullshit and, right. and all the families that, you know, have all these murders and things, legitimate crimes that are still unanswered. Because was, they put all the money into the satanic egg basket. Completely. Um, this was just a book that Damien picked up at a, um, a library used book sale at a school. Just because he had it in his possession, people ran this far with the hysteria and nothing stopped them, uh, clearly. That could have happened to me. I could have easily been thrown in jail if, something, if I was involved in it or close to something that happened because of the satanic Bible that I had in the anarchist cookbook that yeah. I had. Just those two alone. 100%. Like, there's one cut. book I never had. Anarchist cookbook. Yeah, yeah, I loved it when I first, when I got the I had a printed printed dot matrix printed copy of it for years. But <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, when I got the physical copy of it, it was I don't know. And uh, so, in conclusion, Damien was later quoted during a Dateline interview. I believe he was still on uh, still on death row at that point, but basically saying that Dale Griffiths was the fuel they threw on the fire, uh, and that's completely true. That's exactly what the prosecution did. And um, just in summary, the judge asked that this testimony from him and this cross-examination go directly to motive. And, and that's how they proved this motive. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. But in return to that, the defense did bring in somebody who was, a, um, he was an expert on police handling of cult-related crimes. And he refuted the prosecution's so-called expert testimony. And um, part of the reason that the, 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 the prosecution even brought in this, this uh, 
expert on the occult, I'm doing huge quotes here, is because in the beginning, Jesse's or Jason, Jason's lawyer was fighting for them not to be able to use the word like cult activity in the courtroom mm-hmm. unless it was related to um, like physical evidence mm-hmm. um, because he didn't want he didn't want like that name or that that just that that paint that you know that that image painted on on Jason when Damien's lawyer wanted it in the courtroom he wanted that just to, just to show like how fucking ridiculous this whole this yes. whole thing is how to absurd prove, it is to prove reasonable doubt which they did a hundred times over right exactly um ended up being the the, uh, the judge actually um ruled it so if if you know if if it wasn't directly related to cult activity they couldn't say the word and that's why they brought this this expert in and all this bullshit on top of that they uh they actually brought Damien onto the onto the stand, and you know they drilled him about his hobbies, his religious beliefs, his taste in music, his books. Like we were all saying, why he had a Shakespeare quote in one of his journals, right? Well, what they really loved to get down on him was how much he loved Aleister Crowley. Mm-hmm. But so there was there was all kinds of really weird things going on in the courtroom. But yeah, no, they ended up uh, coming to the the conclusion that these two boys were guilty of these murders. And uh, Jason Baldwin ended up getting uh, life in prison without parole. And Damien Eccles was to be killed by lethal injection on May 5th, 1995. Two years exact to the date of when the boys went missing and were killed. After the sentencing, uh, there was just a progression of... um, There was actually some media outlets that did cover this initially saying, you know, this is what they use to prove motive. Isn't that a little weird? Um, they then went on to use all of the footage, uh, to construct the documentaries and appeal after appeal after appeal was filed and turned down by judge Burnett. And then eventually one was also turned down by the Supreme court. Um, I think, uh, in terms specifically of, uh, Damien's death row status. And once it gets to the Supreme court, like that's it, mm-hmm. unless there's some other weird shit that eventually does happen. But. Well, from these documentaries spawned groups that took it upon themselves to hire their own private investigators and collect more of their own evidence. And they did build it eventually big enough to a point where it, it got national attention. Um, and that was highlighted in paradise lost too, right? Right. What was okay. that group called again? Was it free? The West Memphis three? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. It was also the name of an, of an album that was put out to benefit. Their legal defense team as well. Right. Unfortunately, exactly. that album has Eddie Vedder on it. Fuck Pearl Jam. <clears throat> um, Eddie Vedder, uh, Johnny Depp, um, the Dixie Chicks, and you know a couple others really did uh, bring this bring this into the light. Uh, and eventually, um, they they were not exonerated, but they got their freedom. They were given an Alford plea, and it's basically where they they admit to guilt. To gain their freedom, so it's kind of like they're they're admitting to being guilty but maintaining their innocence. Um, and really, I mean, Jason Jason did not want to do this at all. He wanted to fight, fight, fight. But you know, you got to think Damien was coming down to the last of his days before before being lethally injected. This was his last chance. Like if it if he if he took it to regular trials, it that you know they could have pushed it for years. And he would have died in jail because he was already getting really sick. Um, you know, the food in jail is not good. The condition in jails are not good. Um, so, you know, his his physical health was really dropping. Um, so Jason bit the bullet and he's, you know, 
this is my friend. We got to do this. And it was a strange day. Um, you know, they finally had freedom and everybody was in a way happy for them. And it was nice to kind of see the opposite of what was going on when they first went into the trial. The, the witch hunt mob outside just right. alone saying that they wanted these terrible things to happen to them versus the crowd that were outside that day that they took the Alfred plea kind of cheering them on. These, even, Alfred, these Alfred pleas, now they came about because of what, like new DNA or new evidence? Like Yes, there was a uh, new DNA brought to uh, the court in 2009, I think it was. 2010, yeah. Okay, and... um. It was, you know, it was directly pointed away from from Damien and all of them. So they were going to use that against against the court, and, and that's what eventually tore all the walls down. Yes, okay. they were like, you know, it was it was basically what it was basically Arkansas saying, "All right, you know what? You've caught us. We're not going to let you sue us." So yes, that was August nineteenth, twenty twenty eleven, two thousand eleven. So they finally got their freedom after eighteen years of wrongfully sitting in jail. Um, so, you know, we, we got to give it to them. We're so sorry that this happened to you. We, hail the West Memphis three. Yes. Hail the West Memphis three. Hail the West Memphis three. We, we cannot, we cannot say sorry enough, but we are so, we, we, we are so glad to see that you were free. Um, you know, I love watching Damien's videos on YouTube. I highly suggest you all, um, kind of dive in and do your own research on this topic. There was a lot that I did not bring to light. There was a lot that I did not cover. Um, I really wanted to, but I kind of held back. I, I thought you guys would have more fun learning on your own. We could learn from um, yes. just in terms of every kind of hysteria that's What's, rampant through the world right now, whether it's, you know, Satanism. This didn't end. This no, progressed it's, it's through the 90s. On. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, how I found out about this case in the first place was because I overheard uh, some college friends, I think, talking about how Manson was blamed for Columbine in 1999. Yes, he was. He certainly was. And then from that conversation sparked uh, this one. And it really pushed me to learn more about this um, in that book, you know, in Never on a Broomstick, which I mentioned earlier, there's a huge section of the book dedicated to Salem alone. And it's just crazy that things like Salem, you know, we think we're so advanced and whatever else, but this is still going on. Mm -hmm. And that is, I think, a perfect way to end our coverage on the West Memphis Three. The fact that it's still going on is going to lead us right into Satanic Panic Part Three, Gray Faction, all yes. that good stuff. It's going to um, be, be a lot of lot of fun doing that one. And with with that being said as well, Satanic Panic still going on. That's when we're going to dive into QAnon as well. So I know Veronica the Valedictorian has to get going. She has pressing business. <laughs> uh, thank you both for the time and effort you put into this topic. No problem. I know no it was a lot of work, and I hope someday soon that those families can finally be put at peace in regards yes, to I accountability. Do I do it too. may not come from a judicial standpoint, but Let's from a private them. investigator, hail their families. Hail their families. Hail the and West Memphis Three. Hail everyone who's maybe, you know, still doing jail time for something yes, they yes. didn't hail do. Hail all of them. And hail Damien for, for being, a, for, you know, putting himself on a platform to bring light to that very topic. He was lucky enough to have the cameras in his courtroom. Yes, he was. Thousands were not. Thank you both. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. All right, heathens, degenerates, lend me your ears for just a little longer so we can tell you and remind you how to find us on all of the various social media platforms. Every single one. Facebook, the Zuck Machine. You can find us on Facebook by looking up <laughs> Satanic Study Hall. Be careful what you share in our secondary Facebook location, which we like to call the Goat Farm. And if you want to find it, it is... 
Satanic Study Hall presents the Go the Farm. Goat Farm. Now, that is a place where you can interact with members of the cast, other listeners, and have a good old time doing it. Be careful, speaking of getting zucked with the memes that you share in there. <laughs> got to be careful. We walk a fine line. But the Go Farm is awesome. Our Facebook page is awesome. Generally on Facebook, you're going to get audio clips, uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff, and all the latest news. Moving on to another Zuck platform, and that is The Gram. You can find us on Instagram at Satanic Study Hall, just like Facebook. Now on Instagram, we try to take a different approach to most social media. So Insta, what do we do, Dennis? It's like more behind-the-scenes stuff. Yes. We are highly um, following Belial the Baffinet's journeys all over Philadelphia. And we all love what, Belial. What will be the Keystone State? I'm sure he will expand in his travels. He will. Actually, he has expanded. Well, he not he has expanded, but the Baffinet family has expanded. We now have one in you know across the pond in England named Wool I M. Excellent. So the so, Baffinets are breeding. I like that. Yes. They gotta they gotta keep it up. Let's get this family rolling. How do they find us on Twitter, Dennis? You find us at Satanic SH, capital S in Satanic, and then a capital S and a capital H at the end. Um, and that's where you will find me 95% of my day. Uh, so you can always shout out and say, hey. Uh, yeah, so Twitter is fantastic. I'm even learning a little bit on the Twitter machine. Something I hold near and dear to my heart is the next social media platform. And it's a little bit of the VIP club. And that's Patreon. You've heard us mention it a bunch of times. We have been having a shit ton of fun recording bonus content. Uh, yeah, Patreon we, is great, and the people that support us on there are even better. Tonight's episode was a lot of fun. You can find us on patreon.com slash satanic study hall. Now, we will be moving forward with shouting out our new patrons as well as our VIPs. So we're going to do that real quick and say thank you. So we have Little Chick. I don't know what that was, but welcome, little chick. You all right, Dennis? I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> I think Belial, oh, hi, Belial. Belial's worried about you, too. Oh, shit. Uh, He's going to give me a spanking when we get home. Yes, so he lives with me. A little chick. Uh, welcome to the club. Great to have you. We also have Grant. Oh, little, little chick, by the way, jumped on 666. Um, and as always, we have 333, 666, and the beefy $20 a month tier. Grant, Grant, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Grant joined us just a few days ago. Welcome, uh, Grant. Thank you. It's good to have you here. Um, I hope you enjoy what you found. And we're, we're going we're gonna to keep you laughing. <laughs> At least we hope so. And Grant, hop on Patreon and check out some of the new bonus content. There are probably going to be one or two more by the time this hits the airway. So... I hope you enjoy, and uh, thanks again for your support. And then I'm, I'm just going to say the last three again. I forget. We've recorded so much and gone back and forth with um, some of our reinvestments and topics that I'm just going to say them again. So we have Sam. Sam joined us at the 333 Founders Club level. Hello, Sam. Early September. I love the conversations we've had so far. Sam, you are fantastic. Keep the engagement going. We appreciate it. Uh, Brandon. Brandon's also at the 333 what Founders Brandon? Club. Brandon joined slightly before Sam did. So welcome to Patreon. And <laughs> um, yeah, keep reaching out to other members. I think I've seen you interacting with a couple different people on the goat farm. So keep that up. This is a journey for all of us. 
All right, and moving on from Brandon, we have Shayna. Shayna joined us on September 1st. What's she hit up, us Shana? up, started the month off right with some contributions toward our awesome fucking podcast. Hell yeah. I know that sounds a little cocky, and it, cocky. it, it definitely, <laughs> I walk a fine line, but no, we, <laughs> there, there Dennis goes again. But thank you, Shayna, for your support. We appreciate you being here, and have fun. Please have fun. Always have fun. And y'all, anybody, patrons or just listeners, tell us if you have ideas about content. Uh, we didn't mention our email address in this social media fiasco we're talking about here. Email address. SatanicStudyHall at gmail.com. Oh, that email address. The easiest way. And you can also slide into Dennis's DMs as well. He's <laughs> always. always ready to uh, have always. back and forth with you. All right, so that wraps up social media, and to be honest with you, DGENs, it wraps up our show. It's been a long journey to the 90s. Have a great night, guys. Uh, we, we, we're not quite oh, there. Oh, Dennis, oh, Dennis is really oh, ready to wrap it up. Oh, oh, you hear him? Yeah, he's ready to oh, just, head needs to hit the pillow, but nonetheless. <laughs> no, it's not what I need to hit. There, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff we didn't cover, obviously. Um, yes. And one of the things that we wanted to drive home here as we cover this, this stuff is we covered cases that got media attention. Thousands yes. of other people in cases that, that have continued from, you know, when this all began and, and the sparks started going in the early 80s into present day. So to the West Memphis Three, hail thyselves. Hail. What an amazing journey you have had so far. And I hope you all continue to impact people and tell your story. We're going to move on with examples on how people are continuing to tell their story through the works of grave action as we dive into satanic panic part three yes and we'll also be diving into QAnon when we do that as well but anyways guys thank you so much for being here big shout out to our friends over at love city satanists also thank you very much guys big shout out to satanic temple new york city who are Huge. always making us smile you guys are awesome on social media and have been very very helpful and a giant Ava Satanist to you, the listeners. Thank you for being here. It is always a pleasure to spend a couple hours with you in class. Hail thyselves. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. And have an awesome week. We'll see you next time. Bye.